We're going to talk about chickens again this week because that's pretty much what we've been living and breathing the past eight days. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian. Welcome to our podcast of April the 24th, 2014, All Chickens All the Time. It was a week and a day ago that we uh, first brought home our four adult well, pullets, they're not quite adult. I mean, at least we think one of them is an honest-to-goodness adolescent. Right. And we think we have three adults. However, as we'll describe in a moment, we think only two of them are, are laying. Uh, it's amazing how, depending on how you want to reframe it, either how much smarter we are now or how much dumber we were a week and a day ago. <laughs> well, I think we were pretty dumb, and naive is a better word, isn't it? <laughs> ignorant. Um, yes, yes, ignorant. And, and we had done a lot of reading. In fact, when we went to buy the chickens, uh, the gentleman who sold us the or was the clerk there at the um, farm center said, ah, oh, you've been doing your research. You know, we, we said a few things that made us sound a little bit intelligent, and we had done research. But the fact of the matter is, as we've said over the past week, almost daily as we looked at each other and you almost had to do this to know to to learn about it you know yeah. you you can't just read about it in a book and let us begin with an apology to those who have been dealing with chickens for years we will se- still seem hopelessly naive to you and that's probably okay because we are hopelessly naive but we are inexperienced but we're a lot more experienced than we were eight days ago. Exactly. It's just like uh, a, a really steep learning curve, as so much of our farming has been. But I also think there are probably people out there listening who are wondering whether they want to take the next step, whether they want to get chickens. And so I'm here to say, if you think you might want to, try it. I mean, that's the best way to learn. So what we're going to cover today, I think you can characterize as some threshold observations about dealing with chickens, their rhythm, their habits, what we've observed about ourselves, and so forth. And, and one thing I'd like to say, one, one piece of advice that several of our uh, chicken-experienced people have told us is don't name them because you'll get attached. And then when something happens to one of them, you'll be upset. Of course, we've had plenty of other people who've named theirs and told us the opposite. Not that we wouldn't be upset if we lost one, but that, you know, just um, that it makes sense to name them. And so it seems to be a matter of personal preference. Well, our girls have names. Their names are Emma Jean and uh, Bette Midler and Beyonce and Adelaide. So uh, we, we've, we've, learn to identify each one. We call them by names. We, um, The one who looks the most different is Imogene. She's the one that you're saying. Simply is, because she's smaller. She's smaller and we think is an immature hen um, and may be one of the ones who's not laying. We think, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, who we don't really know how to tell which one is, which ones are. But um, Bette Midler seems to be at the top of the pecking order. She's the biggest and most dominant of the hens. 
followed, I would say, Beyonce mm-hmm. um, is the next one in line. And Adelaide has um, a lot of feathers that have been pecked away on the back that we think, well, they were in a big cage. She's with, cautious. She's right. cautious and um, seems to have been literally henpecked or possibly rooster pecked when they were in the uh back at the farm center in with some roosters. And clearly Imogene, being the smallest and youngest, is at the very bottom of the pecking order. To refresh you on what we've already described, we have all four ladies living in a very small coop we purchased intact from Costco. Uh, Yes, the next time we do this, we will start and build one ourselves, but We basically got tired of waiting to build one and decided, hey, this is not that expensive. Let's just do it. Right. So they are in a coop that is custom made for four hens, and it's working well, although they are very cozy in that coop. Right. Um, So what we have, um, well, the first thing we tried is the free-ranging out on the floor of Veg Hill. Right. And the nice thing about Veg Hill is it's fenced in so that they couldn't get out beyond that area. Um, other critters, I mean, we didn't leave them out free-ranging overnight, but as long as we were out there, we weren't too worried about other critters getting them. And it's a nice, large area. So it was kind of interesting, very interesting, actually, to watch what they did when they had that opportunity and to be out there. where they preferred to go yeah. and so forth. Yeah, and what they did was they tended to um, go toward areas where there were lots of bugs and weeds and debris. You know, we had leaf debris and all around some of the, the herbs and uh, that were planted up against the fence. But they also went into the raised beds. And we had been told that, that they they don't discriminate between the weeds that you want them to scratch in and then the nice, pla- neat row of plantings of lettuce that are in your raised bed. And so they did not really destroy anything, but they came close. They uprooted a p- bit of lettuce. But it also was kind of interesting because they scratched around it. They weren't going for the lettuce. They were going for whatever bugs, I guess, were right around there. But it looks as though somebody has come in and just tilled all around the lettuce now. Uh, so it's nice and clean. It's nice and clean, yeah. And, you know, I think, I hope at certain times of the year between seasons or and we've got kind of a long-range plan maybe to um, build some covers for some of the beds, we're hoping that some there will be times they can be allowed to do that again. But we have figured out that it would not have taken them long to destroy eventually most of the target crops simply because they're scratching all around them and they're not carefully protecting the target crops as they scratch. They're basically trying to get to the bugs. And the other problem with that arrangement is that we couldn't let them out to do that unless we were around you know we're out there and watching because which meant if we had to go into town for the day or we were gone they had to stay in the coop they were literally cooped up uh because i just that free ranging it was not secure a hawk could have come in i mean any number of critters could have come in and gotten them so uh that can easily probably figure out a way to get through that deer fence so we decided that's a that was a short range kind of plan and we had always hoped to have the chickens living on the orchard floor. That was really the, the fundamental, well, one of our goals about chickens was to get them out on the orchard floor, uh, taking care of that floor for us. So we decided to build a run that connects to the coop. 
And um, I bought everything at true value, built it in a day, um, deployed it the next day, and it seems to be working well. It's eight feet by eight feet, and I have shade cloth. I think it's either 30 or 40% shade cloth on a little more than half of the run now. And they do seem to be retreating from the run during the heat of the day. So we're probably going to cover the whole run with shade cloth and maybe even two layers of shade cloth. So it'll be a more pleasant place for them to hang That's out right. in the heat of the day. Yes, but it's been fun to watch it. The other thing we've noticed is how um, quickly they devastate that little 8 by 8 area. We're having to move the run around, which it's lightweight enough for the two of us to move that and the coop as well, so that we've been sh shifting the location of that coop and that run every day. Which was our plan all along. Not necessarily every day. And, you know, we only have four hens, and realistically, they could go back and hit it another day. But it's kind of fun for us to keep moving them just to see what they, what new discoveries they make. Right. Um, I guess the next flock we bring on is probably going to be eight birds in a larger coop, but probably the same size run just because we've, it's got to be small enough for us to move it. Yeah. And so we've got to be able for eight birds to be okay in that, that size run for a day. And I think they can. Yeah, well, we have some thinking to do about that because there are also some other uh, patterns that or models we could use for building a chicken tractor that might accommodate a larger flock in a larger area. So we really, we're still thinking that through because we've seen some other, you'd have to have them on wheels, but I think we're still learning about what we want to do. And I'm certainly not, there's nothing magic to me about the number eight, eight additional ones. Um, I think we do, we have agreed that we'd like to have a target, a goal for a number of chickens to kind of keep it at that level. But um, we don't want to get out ahead of ourselves on that. Uh, but you mentioned what the area looks like after they have spent a day working on it. And you're right. It is fascinating to both of us. Me particularly looking at the orchard floor maintenance, you know, I'm thinking, okay, is that what I'm looking for? And the answer is almost unqualified yes. Uh, this in The whole intensive grazing methodology is all about exposing the soil, trampling the the turf, um, loosening everything up, and it just, they seem to be doing a great job of all of that. And they're providing some fertilizer as well. And they're pooping and, and peeing as they work. Of course, we don't watch them moment, moment by moment, so I don't know whether they've actually pooped out there. We certainly know they poop in the, in the coop. Yes, we're able to clean that out fairly easily. It has a poop drawer that you can pull out and hose down, and we have, luckily, you had installed some boxes in the ground with faucets so we yeah. can move. There, there will always be within easy reach of a hose. Fairly easy reach of a hose, that's right. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think we may be washing a little less poop than we were when they lived I think solely so. in the coop. Well, that's right because now they get out and they can, um, which don't means have to they're sit in pooping in that on that open ground, which right, is good. Right. That's really what we hoped all along that they would do. Um, 
So what we thought we would do is follow that up. Whenever they have worked on an area for a day, we'll follow up just by scattering a little cocktail of cover crop and wetting it down. And then, you know, that area can rejuvenate itself as quickly as possible and be ready for the next time we want them right. to visit. And it's a large area. I think by the time they would visit that same spot again, that same 8 by 8 spot, there should be something growing there. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I think it should, could, should rejuvenate itself fairly easily. It is so much fun to watch them. We've always heard from our friends how mesmerizing it is to watch a chicken, and they are so right. It's true, and we love the fact that they have their different personalities. You know, they're just, Imogene is the first one out of the coop, the first one to go exploring. She uh, doesn't seem to be afraid of very much, and she... Um, when we seems were, to be glad to get away from the other well, three. Well, <laughs> that's another, and one of my friends did say that was an explanation as well. Since she is bottom of the pick, pecking order, she'd like to get out ahead of the others and um, get away from them a little bit. But also, to um, she'll stay out longer than the others. So, uh, I just she's just an interesting has her own like I said her own personality or chickenality. And uh, Bet Midler is the only one that I've seen fly. Um, but again. She's bigger, too, so I and don't know. And there's a limitation on how much flying they can do. When in they're that, in this run, yeah. they have a ceiling that's about 36 inches above them. So, yeah, they could, you know, Bet can flap her wings, but she's not going to do much flying. That's right. Uh, but the um, And that's another thing that we, we had to do, though, for the protection of these chickens. If we're going to go off and leave them out in the orchard while we're gone during the day, we needed to have a top to it so that a hawk couldn't swoop down and decide a chicken looked good for dinner that right. day. Um, we have cut way back already on the scratch feed. They were eating a lot of it in those first three or four days when they were in the coop all the time. Now that they have access to the run, we're down to a little bit of scratch feed we put in in the late afternoon when we want them to return to the coop. And that seems to be working like a charm. You know, they're, they're hungry for that scratch feed. So if you put the scratch feed in the coop, all four, whoop, they come running. And it really helps in managing them. We, we were struggling with that the first couple of days, trying to, you know, how do we get them back in the coop? Well, getting them back in the coop is easy. When they, haven't been, when they haven't had access to scratch feed all day, and then we give them a little in the late afternoon, uh, they know exactly how to, what to do. Yeah, it was really interesting when the few days that we had them out free-ranging in the late afternoon in the, uh, on Veg Hill, because I did not feel comfortable, especially since they had not been with us very long, uh, trying to pick them up or force them to go into the coop. And so we knew that if we just waited late enough in the day, they'd go back in to roost for the night. And uh, that's why I noticed Imogene was the last little girl to come in. <laughs> but uh, that was really interesting to watch that behavior. And then I would just wait till everybody was in and go down and close the door. And a couple of times, there'd be, maybe two of them, Adelaide and Imogene, would be out later than the others. And I was ready for them to go in for the evening. It was getting to be dusk. So I was amazed at how well that one time I was able to sort of coax them in. I went down there and I started talking to them and sort of, okay, let's go in and motioning. And they, they followed me anyway. But And I went to the coop and they went in and just very cooperatively, you know how chickens are. They don't make a straight beeline for anything. They sort of do their heads in lots of different directions on the way to wherever they're going. But 
in their jagged chicken chicken path way, they made their way to the coop, went in, and I just shut the door. And it was it was fascinating to see that behavior. And I will speak for myself. I don't really relish having an up close and personal relationship with the ladies. And the reason I don't is I don't want them rushing out when I open the door of the coop. I'd rather they be a little bit skittish of me and give that door a wide berth so I can put a waterer in, take a feeder out, open a door and move the coop without their rushing out. So I kind of like the fact that when I approach the coop, they retreat to the other end of the coop and sort of stay away from the door. That's what I need them to do. Well, let's talk about what else we feed them. I have been supplementing um, at least every other day with some calcium, some oyster, uh, crushed up oyster shells, and a little garlic. And I have plenty of that because I grow garlic here. So, and they eat it. I mean, yeah. they've been. It's we think it's been helpful. We do not include it in their feed. We put it separately so that if they need it, they'll eat it. If they don't, they won't. And it seems to be working great. Uh, they clearly prefer bugs. That's that's really their uh, delicacy. That's what they're always going to want if they can get them. And when they can't get bugs, they'll eat grass. And you call it weeds. I call it turf. It's whatever's growing on the well, orchard turf, floor. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and they'll eat some greenery, but mainly they love those bugs. <laughs> uh, I think we already said that only two of the four are laying. And, right? and the pattern is, and it's not the first thing in the morning when we go out there, we see them. But sometime during maybe mid-morning, uh, sometimes midday, later in the day, midday, yeah. we s- will find one of the two. They have their, they've built two nests in the roosting boxes. And uh, actually, we put the hay in, but they fashion them into nests. And one, the one on the right, it's always the same nest, will have two <laughs> eggs in it. And one of the, they're both sort of a... They're trying to be brown eggs. You know, one of them is sort of a beige egg, and one is almost like literally eggshell. It's it's uh, cream colored. But the the larger of the two eggs, and I would say it's probably the size of a medium egg that you'd buy in the grocery store, is the beige one. And the lighter colored one is usually a small round egg. Which would be smaller than any egg you would expect to buy in the grocery store. Right. It's still quite tasty. They're tasty. We've been eating them, and they're. it's like we've known from having free-range eggs before from chickens. Uh, people would give us some uh, from their chickens. They The yolk is darker and thicker, and it's delicious, really. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you've heard stories about how uh, backyard chicken eggs stand up in the pan and we can clearly see that and the yolk is darker. Well we've saved the worst for last so let's talk a little bit about Adi. Um, Our Springer Spaniel. He has this powerful instinct to maybe not to eat the chickens but certainly to play with them. Or attack them, or we don't know if he were allowed to get at them, we don't know what he would do. Really. Yeah, he is. But, and it's not like, oh, let me be your friend. It's, um, he's after them. And, it's, and he's out of control when he does that. Um, it, it, nothing has been, nothing about this has been unpleasant except dealing with Adi. Right. And it's, he's, it's really out of control. I mean, to the point, like yesterday, I tried to walk him around the trails of the, um, because he used to love to do that, not on a leash, of course. He'd prefer to be just 
roaming on his own when we're walking he'll walk with us and run off in the woods and come back to us and he he likes to he's he's a very um active dog but yesterday i tried to walk down to the creek with him i did i I got most of the way there and he loves to go down and get in the creek had him on the lead and he was headed in that direction took the lead off and it was pretty clear to me at the time he was headed for the creek not so because you were back up here at the at the apartment in the barn enjoying a a quiet shower naked outside well that's too much information well i it's part of the story (laughs) though i'm completely soaked up from head to toe and i hear this and i know uh uh-oh something's amiss and sure enough, Adi is out there chasing. That's what he does. He wants to run around the coop. And, of course, when he runs to one corner, the chickens run to the other corner, and then he circles around, and they run to the other corner. Yeah, we're sure it's traumatizing to them. It's so. just, you know, it has to be creating all sorts of anxiety. That's probably why Adelaide is still having nightmares. <laughs> um, but I was at my wit's end, and I was saying, okay, it's time for us to get rid of Adi. And you insisted. Yeah, I don't want to give him. When I say get rid of of him, let's try something else. It would be finding him another home, but that is not. He his home is here, and I love that dog. So we are going to try something else. So what we have done, we have ordered an e collar. Um, It is uh, uh, it administers a very small electrical current, and. we're going to tell you more about it in the weeks ahead as we experience it. I do not think it's at all inhumane at the levels we're talking about using it. Um, but again, we're as ignorant about the e-collar as we were about the chickens, so um, well, that will have to flesh itself We out. should say that we had a dog before that we had to use, I guess it's basically the same thing, dog guard, you know, those electronic collars for... It's like they, a buried fence. Yeah, it was the same principle. The perimeter. And it certainly, he was not in pain from that at all. And in fact, we had to do that to save his life because he was an escape artist. And the only way to keep him from going out in the street, literally, was that electronic fence. That was the last resort with Kalijah. That was the dog. So, so the and it worked beautifully. So the interim here, while we're waiting for the collar to arrive and for us to begin using it, is Adi is spending the all the time with us. When we're here, he's in. He's here with us, and he's lying at my feet right now. And when we're gone, he's in his crate. It's a pretty uncomfortable arrangement for him and us. Well, both. the crate is plenty big for him. I mean, you say it's certain, again, it, there's nothing well, inhumane about it. But yeah. he'd rather be out romping around. And he's a perfect farm dog, which is one reason I, we don't want that to be a long term thing. We want him to be able to get out and run freely. That's He's just great about that. And it's, it's part of what makes him the exuberant, fun uh, family member that he is. But. Uh, anyway, we have high hopes. You've watched some videos and heard testimony about how these e-collars work in terms of training animals. And I have high hopes for the e-collar now. I'm I'm no longer in despair. I'm just eager to receive it and try it and um, see if we can't make some progress. And if we can, then... Um, I began thinking about all the other issues we have with Adi, how it might help us dealing with those as well. So we may end up 
by telling you that this was the smartest purchase we ever made. Yeah, we hope to because um, one problem we have with Adi, and any of you who have ever visited us here know that he, he likes to jump up on people. And he doesn't jump on, on us. But if somebody new comes, he gets very excited. He's very happy to see them. And he'll jump up. And we've tried so hard to break him of that behavior. But I guess because it's intermittent and doesn't happen, it's not like he jumps up when we don't have a friend here or a visitor, then it's been hard to extinguish that behavior. We're hoping that the e-collar would be a way to do that. Yes. So stay tuned. We have much to discuss with you in the weeks ahead. Hope you are enjoying this wonderful weather, and we look forward to our next visit. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.